Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels. Hey, Rahul, how are you doing? I'm good, Jackie. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Just saddened by the loss of one of the world's greatest footballers today. Yes, that was some very sad news coming out of Argentina. Yeah, I think he was only 60 years old, right? Yeah, yeah, very young. Yeah, and for those of us who don't know who we're talking about, Diego Maradona, an Argentinian football legend, played multiple, multiple games for the Argentinian national side, Napoli, um, had a great successful career across many, many different areas, passed away today at the age of 60 years old. Yeah, that was that was sad. He passed away with from a heart attack. Uh, he had actually just gotten released from the hospital two weeks ago following brain surgery. So everything was pointing towards a recovery. But then we found out today that, you know, he got a heart attack. So may he rest in peace um, and tributes flowing in all over the world, rightly so. And for me, he'll always be remembered for that. I know a lot of people talk about the hand of God goal, but for me, that first goal he scored in that final in 86, uh, when he took on the whole England team and slaughtered home is really what I'll remember him for. Yeah. And even the hand of God, to be honest with you, it's just an iconic moment. You know, initially people looked at it negatively, but looking back now, it's just an iconic moment to remember him by. Yeah. And that, 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 that's the player he was. He was an iconic player. So everything he did turned into turned into news and, and, and got the attention it deserved. So like I said, rest in peace to a legend. And um, he leaves us with some very fond memories of his career as a player and as a manager. Absolutely. Best wishes to his family and friends as they mourn him now. All right. Should we move on to review our Champions League game? I know we did some initial preview. We all had a chance to watch the game. Hopefully the fans listening had a chance to watch the game as well. Yes, let's do the the review, mainly because I got my prediction spot on. <laughs> so why don't you start with the squad? Let us know who played and, and how that went. Yeah, so Lampard played a squad, a strong squad. He brought in Espelicueta on right back, uh, Zuma and Silva back as center backs. And surprisingly, Ben Chilwell started the game. I thought he would be rested, but he played. Mendy kept his position in goal. Uh, Conte was rested, which was good. And so Jorginho came in, Mount and Kovacic on either side. And Werner, Tammy, and Hudson-Odoi completed the starting 11. Yeah, definitely a great squad. Good, strong squad. Very surprised, like you said, about Ben Chilwell. He's played a lot of football. I know he's been nursing an injury here and there. And to me, also Tammy, that's not Tammy Abraham, Timo Werner has played quite a bit of football for us in Germany. I thought he was going to get a little bit of break, but I guess with Pulisic being out, he just couldn't get a break today. Yeah, I, I really wanted him to get a break, and I was hoping he would get subbed off a little bit earlier than he did, but that didn't happen. So, like, strong lineup. We started well. We should have scored in the first four minutes. Uh, Werner had a beautiful opportunity to put, just tap it in. Uh, Hudson Odoi put in a good cross. Uh, it was bouncing across the pitch, so I think right before Werner touched it, the ball bounced up, and then he touches and it just goes way over the bar. Um, but once again, it, he doesn't let that affect him, and he continues fighting and and putting in the, a good performance. 
Yeah, we'll get to Werner at the end of the game because I did hear some facts from Frank Lampard and his opinion on him. But overall, I think he had a decent game. Yeah, yeah, he did. And the opening goal comes from Hudson-Odoi making a beautiful run. But before that, Mount, who's come in for criticism from Chelsea fans and, and Lampard's had to defend him um, in the press conference. And he even went as far as saying, proper Chelsea fans value Mason Mount. Talk about a pass from Mason Mount. Yes. And and even before that, he does the defensive work, wins the ball, goes further up, looks right up and 50 yards across into Hudson-Odoi's path and 1-0. Yeah, I think I talked about him a few podcasts ago. His game awareness, his work rate, things that people don't necessarily value. But with that assist today, I think he kind of proved a few people wrong. Yeah, yeah, he did. He definitely did. He showed both sides of his game in in the space of 30 seconds. But it was a great finish from Hudson-Odoi, somebody who's not played a lot of minutes of football. I think he did good to to put that in the net. Yeah, I I was impressed with the run he made because it gave Mason Mount an option and outlet. And then the touch that Hudson-Odoi took to control it and put in his path to continue running into the box. And then the finish, it was all around just a, a beautiful move made in Cobham. Yeah, for sure. They've played together for several years in the youth system, second team, a little bit of England as well. So it was great to see them connecting on that on that layer. Yeah, and it's, it's like you said, it's good to see Hudson-Odoi getting game time, but capitalizing on that game time. This is the second goal in the Champions League in two games. and. You know, he's had a difficult time recovering from that long-term injury, but he's now showing his his potential. For sure. And to be honest with you, I think you predicted this. Ren wasn't um, a sit-down in the park by any means. They actually played pretty decent football for most of the game. Yeah, we, we took the lead. We had a good opportunity to go two up. But after that, I would say it was all Ren forcing us into mistakes, putting the pressure on us, and and really making Mendy make a lot of saves and earn, earn his clean sheet at that point, which he obviously lost later in the game. But yeah, Ren were not an easy game. Yeah. Overall, it was not very, very exciting. I think we did decent. Ren did decent. I have to give a shout out, and I don't want to say his name wrong, to Eduardo Camavinga. I think he's 17 or 18 years old. He's now starting to play for the French national team. He seems to be a quite a decent player for them. Very, very confident on the ball, always looking for the ball, and kind of made things happen throughout the whole midfield for Ren. Yeah, you're you're totally right. He's one of the upcoming players, like you said, just 17. But I'd love to see us go back to Ren next summer and put in an offer for him. <laughs> Try and squeeze him in our midfield, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I know Real Madrid and other big clubs are interested in him, but definitely a good performance from him to just make his 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 name known across the world. Yeah, yeah. And so we finished the first half one left, one up. Uh, you know, we were a little bit lucky to to not have conceded on either side of the halftime. But the second half, Lampard made some changes. He brings on Conte, he brings on Ziyech, he brings on Giroud who we'll talk about in a second. Havertz comes on for some game time. And so it was good to see all these players come on. And Conte, in, in the brief period that he was on, made the most interceptions, the most tackles, 
and just once again, I don't want to talk too much about him, but he just shows his value to the squad. Yeah, and we spoke about him last week or in our previous podcast of what value he brings in that defensive position and what he brings to the team that not everybody sees as far as the work rate and blocking and interceptions and things like that. But definitely, definitely want to have a special name coming off the bench as well, so it's been great. Yeah, yeah. And so finally, Ren get their goal in the 85th minute. They had been pushing and, and they really wanted to get back into this game and they get the goal from the corner which we haven't conceded a goal from a corner in a long time. So it was weird to see, but it was just a great header from them. And well-deserved. Ren worked very, very hard throughout the whole game. I don't like when Chelsea conceded because I want us to be organized, keep clean sheets, but definitely well-deserved from them. Yeah. And so at that point, it's looking like, you know, we're going to hold off for a point and live to fight another day in terms of getting qualification. But we find a way to get it done. And it really comes from the midfield area. Kante intercepts a pass, which falls to Ziyech. He finds Werner. Uh, Werner should have scored, in all honesty, but it hits the keeper, goes up, and Giroud, out of nowhere, comes in and, and jumps and rises the highest and, and puts, it in, puts it in the net. That's the class of Olivier Giroud, just forcing the goal in. You know, I've talked about him quite a bit. We've debated about who should be playing up front. He just showed his value there. I don't think that's going to be enough for Frank to start him necessarily. But for me, it was very, very exciting. I was screaming at work. For anybody interested, I'm not supposed to be watching games while I'm working. But definitely exciting to squeeze a little bit of action on the on the cell phone here and there. Yeah, you're right. Giroud showed exactly why we should be playing him and why he's, you know, why he is a valuable asset to the squad. And he wins us the game. It almost reminded me of last season when we went away to Ajax and won it right at the end. Now, Michi scored the goal there, but once again, we found a way to get a win in a tough away game. So we win it 2-1. We qualify for the next round, which is is awesome because we were the first team to do so. And to tell us to tell us Chelsea fans that after four games in the Champions League you'd already be qualified, I think we would have all taken it. Would have taken it way early in advance. And yeah. just a quick note about that Olivier Giroud goal. It's very nice to see the celebration that happened right at the end where the entire squad kind of surrounded him. There were several players touching his head, giving him a hug, because he's been professional throughout the first eight or nine games even 10 games we've played so far no complaints sitting on the bench cheering on his teammates and actually if you follow a lot of the Chelsea footballers on Instagram all of them were actually saying Olivier Giroud deserved that one just because of his professionalism and so did Frank Lampard so I was it was a really touching moment to see that yeah yeah and professionalism is is a word that defines Giroud's time at Chelsea he's come in under Conte a few seasons ago and, and survived under Sarri and now Lampard. And he just stays quiet and does his work when he's given the chance. So, yeah, you're right. He's he's very professional. And you could see right at the end when the game's over, Tammy comes on and him and Giroud have a, a little moment together. And Lampard touched on it too in his in his interview at the end. And that just shows you the respect Tammy has for him and it also shows the the relationship they share. I mean, they they compete for the same spot, but 
Right. They want each other to do well. Yeah, and if Tammy Abraham is our long-term center forward, there's no better center forward to learn from as he grows into this position. So I'm very excited about that relationship growing over there. Exactly. So all in all, it's been a good return from the international break, two wins and a qualification to the next round. Uh, just before we close it off, who for me, my man of the match was Mendy. He kept us in the game at one nothing, and and it could have been a different story if he wasn't there. Uh, but Mount comes as comes in as a close second, and even Sesk was very impressed with Mount. But who was man of the match for you? Yeah, I think everybody played decent. Everybody had a good shot of the game. I think Ren made it more difficult than we anticipated. But for me, the man of the match was Olivier Giroud. Just the tenacity to get up there, put his head on the ball and win us the game made him the man of the match for me. In the few minutes that he came on, he did you know, great performance there. Yeah, yeah. So we qualified, so does Sevilla. So it really comes down to the next two games to see who finishes top of the group. But it gives Lampard the opportunity to play some of the players that you know may not have featured if qualification wasn't, wasn't sealed. So it's going to be interesting to see. We need four points in the next two games. And if we tie against Sevilla and then win the next one, that will seal top spot. And I think that's what we should be doing. Yep, definitely going for top spot. But I'm glad that we've qualified. Like you touched on, if we can play some of the players that don't get enough minutes, it's definitely a chance for them to get their match fitness going. Exactly. So all in all, a good uh, Champions League game, away game. And now we move to the next game, which we'll touch on in a little bit. But I just wanted to cover some of the other results in the Champions League, especially for the Premier League team. So I think Ole must have listened to our last podcast because United (laughs) United came out on fire and stormed to a 4-1 win at home against Istanbul. And I, I asked myself when I was watching that game, where would United be without Bruno Fernandes? Not anywhere close to where they are right now. Yeah, and he, he's just world-class. And he puts in a performance, scores goals, gives penalties away to his teammates to make them feel better. And it's a, an asset for Manchester United to have in their squad. Do you know, I wouldn't be surprised if next summer... A bigger club, no disrespect to Man United, but a bigger club comes and asks for Bruno Fernandes to join them. Maybe a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or a Bayern Munich. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it does, you heard it here first. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me either. But yeah, so United win. They're top of their group. They play PSG in the next match week next week. Uh, moving to the other side of Manchester, uh, Manchester City played Olympiacos and they won one nothing, so they qualify for the next round as well. And the real surprise came in the Liverpool game. Now I don't want to say too much because they'll probably prove me wrong again this weekend. But <laughs> they lost two nothing to Atlanta at home. You know, I don't think Liverpool fans or Liverpool themselves need to be worried. These are some blips that do happen every now and then. Atlanta are a good side. I think they made it to the quarter or semifinals last season of the Champions League. Uh, Liverpool did make some changes to their squad, so I wouldn't be too worried. It's just a warning about squad depth, which unfortunately they're struggling with some injuries there. But you and I have talked about their mentality. Sometimes these things happen, especially if you're kind of going through multiple games in a season these this quickly. Yeah, and they, they still still top of their group, so 
I don't see them having issues getting out of uh, out of the group. So you're right; these things happen, and and rather happen in a game where they still can maintain their position in the group and and fight in the next next week. So that rounds up the Premier League teams in in the Champions League. Um, it was it was good match week, and we still have two more match weeks to go, but it's the Champions League first round is coming to an end pretty fast. Right. So we now move to this weekend's games, uh, a, a Premier League weekend back again, and some exciting games, none other than Chelsea Spurs, but we'll save that for the end. So we start this, this match week on Friday, uh, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, which should be a good game. I hope Zaha is back because I need him for my fantasy Premier League team. It's okay if you stay at the bottom of fantasy. That's not a problem. <laughs> I, I maybe should have accepted a trade that I received for Zaha a few weeks ago. Yeah, if anybody's interested, when we play these games, I try to trade him Diego Jota. And if you follow the Premier League, you know how classy Diego Jota is and how many goals he's putting into the net right now. It's okay. Anyway. I have my faith in Zaha. He'll be back after there we go. COVID scare. So that's the Friday game, and then Saturday's kicks off. The early kickoff is Brighton Liverpool, then Man City Burnley, and Everton Leeds, which has got me excited because it's going to be an interesting game with goals. I think definitely tactical. You've got two tactical masters that are going to go into this game. Yeah, and Everton have won their last three games or last two games, I think, and drawn one. So they come in in good form. Leeds have been shaky, but both teams have the potential to score goals. So I I think it'll be exciting to see them go uh, against each other. Yeah, and I think Leeds are punching above what we all expected them to do. I think their squad plus their manager gives them an edge. So it'll be definitely a tasty game to watch for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that that'll be interesting. And then talk about... A relegation fight. This is West Brom versus Sheffield United. Right. This is going to be definitely a scrappy game, but I think my money's on Sheffield United here. Oh, wow. Yeah, both teams come in without a win this season. So it's it's an excellent opportunity for either one of them to get started by getting their first win and, and get out of that relegation spot. Yeah, sometimes when you're in the relegation spot, things get to get a little bit feisty. So hopefully it's a, a fun game to watch overall. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And then we go to the Sunday game. Sunday starts with Southampton hosting Manchester United. That, again, I think will be a good game. For sure. Man United coming off this 4-1 win in the Champions League. Southampton are not going to make it easy for them at all. At all. Yeah. Yeah, and they've, they've had some good results. They're sitting up in the table. I believe they are in fifth spot. So right. they're, they're, they've been doing well this season. But Manchester United have, I think, not lost a game or drawn away from home. So they have a perfect record. Yeah, my, you know, I think Southampton could take this game. My only concern with Southampton is they still have Danny Ings out injured. I don't know how long he's injured out for, but I know he has a, a knee injury that keeps bothering him. So that might be something we can look at. But 
hopefully they can come out with a win on this one. They've been very, very good overall. Like you said, they're sitting in fifth position. They've been strong. They've been consistent. They've been set out to go and play good football as well. So hopefully that works out for them. Yeah, and, and just to give the, the manager some some credit, they lost 9 nothing to Leicester City last year. Yeah. And since then, he's turned it around and, and brought them up the table, playing some good football, getting some good results. So he deserves a lot of credit. For sure. And for anybody interested, we're not trying to pronounce his name because we don't want to, to butcher it. Ralph <laughs> H is what we're going to call him for now. <laughs> Definitely a good manager. He's made Southampton a very strong team. They have a decent squad of players. In fact, an ex-Chelsea player still plays for them, Oriel Romeu over there. So Ooh, good luck to Ryan, them. Ryan yeah, yeah, Ryan Bertrand, who is a Champions League winner with Chelsea. Yeah. So yeah. good luck to them. Hopefully Man United can keep their form going with this latest win. It should be a definitely competitive game, and we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. I'm going to skip over the next game on Sunday just because we'll come back to it and spend some more time on it. So the the last game for Sunday is Arsenal hosting Wolves. You know, Arsenal have just been up and down. We spoke a little bit about them in our previous podcast. If you haven't heard it, go and take a listen. They just don't seem to have some consistency going. Rahul touched on the disciplinary issues that are going on over there. I'm not sure how this is going to go because Wolves have been in a decent run of form, actually. Yeah, Wolves have been... On and off, I'd say they get some good results, but then they go ahead and 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 get a tie and 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 then drop some points. So they're sitting in ninth. Arsenal is sitting in twelfth. So and it's just a point that separates both those teams. So it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I would have said Arsenal would win it if there were fans in the stadium, but since that's not the case, I think it just turns into another draw and it's maybe a one-one. Um, but it'll definitely be a good game to watch. Yeah, it'll be definitely be an interesting game to sit down and look at. Yeah. Um, and then there's two games on Monday, Leicester-Fulham and then West Ham-Aston Villa. So that rounds up uh, match week nine. No, ten. Sorry, ten. But the big one on Sunday is Chelsea versus Tottenham Hotspurs or what I've been telling myself is the chosen one versus the special one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so both teams, you know, they, they've had a good summer transfer window. Um, Jose Mourinho has been supported brilliantly by Daniel Levy. He's given him a top left back in Region, which I think you and I wanted at Chelsea. He's given him a winger in Gareth Bale, a Champions League winner. He's done it all. And a backup striker, a backup goalie. And I think the the biggest business they did in terms of fitting into their squad, not in terms of value, was bringing in Horberg from Southampton. Yeah, he definitely changed the outlook of Tottenham Hotspur. And I think that's a, a typical Mourinho player, I must say. Very hardworking, good defensively, controls the ball and just provides it forward for players like Harry Kane and Son. Um, or one for some for some examples in different games to play with. So it was a good signing on their on their side. Yeah, and for fifteen million, that's that's a steal. Yeah, for sure, for sure, definitely in this day and age and in this market, especially after everything going on in the world, that was definitely a good price they got him for. Yeah, so all those players added to their existing squad, which was pretty good in itself, has given Jose Mourinho some real good options. 
and you're seeing the benefit of that. Yeah. Before other- we get into the details of the game, one thing you mentioned was the left back that they signed, which was Sergio Regulon. You and I had talked all summer about left backs and transfers and signings. I think, I don't know if you will say this much, but I was pushing very heavily for Chelsea to sign him. He was an exciting talent, made it to the UEFA Europa League finals. Uh, very attacking-minded left back. Was a lot cheaper than the left back Chelsea were pursuing at the time and did get, which was Ben Chilwell. However, now seeing everything, to be very honest with you, and, and this is just my opinion, getting Ben Chilwell seemed to be quite a great addition to our squad and them getting Regulon has been a great addition to their squad. So I think both teams made it out with positive left-back acquisitions. Yeah, yeah. Regulon was being, you know, followed by a lot of teams. I think the only thing that put off the likes of Chelsea and Manchester United was Real Madrid wanted a buyback clause. Yep. And rightly so. I, I would have Regulon in, in the Real Madrid squad over Mendy any day. So I think that's really what put off some of the other teams, but Spurs went for it and, and in turn also negotiated a deal for Bale, so it worked out for Real Madrid. But yeah, so that's that's Spurs' business from uh, the summer. Chelsea did some fantastic business as well. I mean, I know you and I are Chelsea fans, but ask anyone in the league, any supporter, and they'll tell you that Chelsea meant business over the summer. Yeah, and both teams signed strategic players. We talked about Man United in the previous podcast on who they signed, if those bodies fit their style and the positions they currently have. Both teams signed strategic players that work for what they're trying to achieve this season in the squad. Yeah, exactly. And and just to that point, Lampard brought in attacking players initially, Werner, Havertz, Ziyech, which were all needed because we were losing William, Pedro, and... All these players have taken us to the next level, but the two players or two areas that Lampard addressed were goalkeeping and defense. Yep. And we're seeing the benefits of that. Yeah, so one thing I'll touch on is a lot of people give Jose Mourinho credit for being a strong manager. I need to give Frank Lampard credit for being equally, if not a bit stronger in this case, because you've got the world record goalkeeper in Kepa, 70-odd million pounds at the time when Chelsea signed him. Not having you know, a good season to start off with, just with several things going wrong. It started at the end of last season. Lampard put his foot down and said, you know, Kepa is a young man. He's going through some tough times. I do realize he's the world record signing. It's just not going to work for Chelsea if we keep picking him as the starting goalkeeper. Now, he does have Petr Cech who went out and said, I found this goalkeeper. He's 20-something-odd million. He is 28. He did have, if you're not read Eduardo Mendy's history, you need to go look that up. He did struggle in between not finding a club. He almost quit football for anybody interested. But just Frank Lampard putting his foot down and saying, I need a different goalkeeper because the world record goalkeeper is not going to play for me, shows me the strength that he has as a manager to put his foot down to people like Abramovich that's running this club. Yeah, yeah. And talk about getting a steal. Mendy for $22 million is definitely a steal. Brilliant. And so far, so good. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed that he keeps the clean sheets and the great performances up. Yes, yes. And so, you know, touching on both the teams summer before we get into the game, they both did well, I think, in the summer. And you're, you're seeing the benefits of that now. It took a little bit time for both teams to settle into the season. But now that everyone's settled in, getting fitter, getting some match time under their belt, 
we're seeing that these two teams are here to compete for the title this season. And Spurs have been, you know, they've always been good recently, but with Mourinho, they're, they're making that jump to real contenders. Yeah, and I'm glad you said compete for the title because we don't want to get too excited and say Chelsea are going to compete for the title. But I think you're right. Based on positions in the league, I believe Chelsea is sitting in third right now, one or two points behind Tottenham Hotspur. This could be a good point in the season where if Chelsea win it, Frank Lampard, the players, the fans start to believe we're making progress towards a real push for the title win. If Tottenham win it and Tottenham continue on this path of continuously winning, getting to December, I forget who said this on NBC Sports. You may correct me and remind me. But he said if Mourinho gets to January and he's top of the league, Mourinho gets into the special one mode where he will do whatever he needs to do to win the league. I forget who said that, but I think you know who it is. Yeah, I think it was Robbie. You are correct, yes. Yeah, and that's like we spoke about. That's Mourinho when when he knows he's made it ha- halfway through a season, and knows he can make it the rest of the season, closing out the title. He'll do whatever it takes. So yeah, the two managers. I mean, different ends of their career. Not saying that Mourinho is retiring or anything, but he's had a lot of success and he knows what he's doing. And Lampard's still learning and and, and getting into the game, but. In the short period that Lampard's been manager, he's played Mourinho four times. Once with Derby County against Manchester United. He beat him on penalties in the Carabao Cup. Then he played Mourinho twice with Chelsea and did the double over him in the Premier League, which was the first time a manager has done a double over Mourinho. And most recently, earlier this season, we faced them in the Carabao Cup again. And unfortunately, this time we lost. Yep. And, you know, that's a good segue into some of my fun facts that I've collected for this particular podcast. You're correct. The first, I'll start with the first ever meeting between Chelsea and Tottenham. It happened in 1909. Uh, Chelsea beat Tottenham 2-1 in the old, what they call the old first division. And you just touched on the most recent game where we lost in the Carabao Cup or the EFL Cup, as they call it these days. In total, I believe there have been 167 games played between these two clubs, with Chelsea edging it at 72 wins. There have been 41 draws between the clubs and Tottenham Hotspur having 54. Um, A fun fact here as well is in 2018, Tottenham beat Chelsea 3-1 at the bridge, which was their first win in 28 years. We're hoping there's no win this weekend. Um, and then another fun fact that I have is actually there have been a total of six players that have played for both clubs. One of them was my blast from, a, from the past. If you haven't heard about it, go listen to our last podcast. It was William Gallas. We all know the history of William Gallas there. There's also been Terry Venables, Jimmy Greaves, Glenn Hoddle, Scott Parker. I completely forgot about Scott Parker. I knew he played for them for several years. He was a great performer, but he only had a short stint with Chelsea. And one that surprised me that I completely forgot about also was Gus Poyer, who was a brilliant servant for both sides. So depending on which set of fans you talk to, he's a legend at either club. So that's some fun facts between the two clubs there. There's only one that wasn't fun there, which was their win at the bridge in 2018. Yeah, I just had to say that they broke it after 28 years. So we're hoping we continue this next game in a win. Yeah, yeah I was I was heartbroken that day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- those are some great facts. And, and I honestly didn't even 
no dust warrior plays for them. So I, I think I try to erase that part of, of his, his career from my memory. Um, but yeah, those are some good facts. And both teams come into this game on Sunday in, in good form. Uh, Chelsea have been unbeaten in the last 10 games in all competitions. Six in the Premier League. Four of those games, they've had kept clean sheets. Um, they've played four games at the bridge this season, lost one, drawn one, and won the last two. Uh, Spurs, on the other hand, have been perfect away from home. They haven't lost a game at all. They've won against Southampton, the massive win against Manchester United. They've drawn results out against Burnley and West Brom. So everything's pointing towards a great game and, and a fun and entertaining game. Almost it's it's like the... Battle of Stamford Bridge Part 2, the first one being in 2016 when Leicester won the title that night. And so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited, but I'm also very nervous. It'll definitely be a tough game. We have to just wait and watch. But why don't you go ahead and give us the team news or anything you know about Chelsea that's going on right now? Yeah, so in the last few hours, I've heard that the bearded goat, oh, I mean, sorry, Christian Pulisic, <laughs> is back and fit for the game. So that's great news. Now, I don't know if he starts, but it, it, he would definitely be a, a great option off the bench. Yeah, I, I wouldn't start Pulisic, but if you're getting to the last you know, 15, 20 minutes and you need that burst of energy, and hopefully he has that burst of energy in his locker, he'd definitely be a great one to bring on. Yeah. And then the main thing I'm... I'm thinking would be the recovery for some of the players that played the full 90 minutes on Tuesday night. So Thiago Silva obviously is, a, is one of them. Ben Chilwell is another. And and Werner too. He came off in the 91st minute or so. So really he only got two minutes of rest. So yep. the recovery for those guys would be very important. And Chilwell and Werner did look tired in that game. Yeah, and Werner has played a lot of football. I know he's excited. I know he wants to play every game. In fact, I heard an interview where he said he's excited to play every game. But one thing that I've noticed between the German League and the Premier League, and a lot of people say this as well, is the pace. Just the pace between the two leagues is incredibly different. Werner put in a huge shift in the last few games where he's running up and down. So hopefully he's fit for this one and and excited and energetic for this one as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's the team news. now. I want to do a predicted lineup, but I have a question for you. The last two times we faced them in the in the league, Lampard's changed it up. Now I know he likes to play four at the back, three in the midfield, and three up front. But when we played Spurs away from home last season, he changed it to a three-four-two-one, and Spurs didn't really have a chance in that game. We won it two nothing, and then the second game at the Bridge, he played a five-four-one. So again, he changed it from his traditional four at the back. So do you think he changes it up in this game or does he go with his preferred formation of 4-3-3? You know, that's a tough question. Frank is a young manager. I don't want to say he's inexperienced, but he's three seasons into his career. I hope that he doesn't change his formation. That's my personal opinion here. I think he might because he starts to second-guess himself. I think Mourinho is excellent at mind games. Even if Mourinho says nothing, it's Jose Mourinho, which is his previous manager. So there's definitely mind games that come into it. But I hope he doesn't. I think 
one of the things we have to talk about is looking at his history with what we signed last season, which we couldn't sign anybody. If anybody's interested in knowing the history of what we went through, definitely ask for that. We can give you some facts on that as well. But we couldn't sign any players last season. We had to make do with the squad we were given. So Lampard may have second-guessed himself, may have been um, scared. I don't want to use that word either, but it's kind of what's coming to mind. The current 4-3-3, with the players we have, with the form we've had, with the results we've had, should be the correct starting lineup that plays against Tottenham Hotspur and should be strong enough to control the game and, you know, either way, give a performance that we, we can be proud of. Okay, so using that, who, who, who do you think plays? You've got to start Mendy. Obviously, there's no yeah. competition there. Yeah, He played Aspilicueta in the Champions League because I think James is going to start. The Silva-Zuma combination has worked wonderfully. I'm hopeful that Silva is feeling fit, having energy and can continue. Ben Chilwell looked a little bit low energy. You said that earlier. I'm hoping that he continues... For the midfield, I think he's going to push and bring Kai Havertz in, Conte defensively, and Mount on the other side. I think Kai Havertz, even though he hasn't played the last few games, he's been at home, so he hasn't had he isn't burning his energy. He may not be match fit, but I believe he may start. Um, Zeich, Tammy, and Werner will continue. I'm a little bit worried about Timo Werner, but I believe he will continue on the left. Okay, so I mean, I I. I think that's a good lineup, but I do think Lampard changes it up. Okay. And that's more to do with the way Tottenham have been playing this season, not because he doesn't think we can beat him with the 4 3 3. And so I think he goes again to a back three, which would provide more cover for some of the counter attacks that, that Spurs bring with them. And it allows us to be a little more prepared for Kane to drop deeper. So if he drops deeper, we have a center back that may go with him and still have two people behind that center back. And then we still have a strong midfield with Conte. Um, and I think he plays Conte and Kovacic in midfield. But here's my lineup with a different formation. So Mendy in goal, obviously. He plays Aspilicueta, Silva, and Zuma as the back three. Reese James as a wing, uh, right wing back, Conte Kovacic in midfield, Chilwell as a left wing back, and up front. Now I know everyone's going to hate what I'm going to say, but he plays Mount on the wing, which messes with the way we've been playing. But I think he plays him there to provide a little bit of tracking back as well. Um, and then Tammy and Werner make up the first eleven. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad formation, but I agree with you. It does mess up the attacking productivity we've had recently. The reason I stuck with a formation I had, I think Mason Mount, who you touched on earlier, I've touched on in the past, a lot of people have touched on even for England, can do the additional body work of having three center backs. I know that sounds strange. He has the energy to get up and down the pitch which means he can kind of follow Harry Kane a little bit, allowing Kante to focus across his defensive position that he needs to do. And Mount can almost man-mark Kane because we have noticed Kane is dropping deeper and picking up the ball. So hopefully he goes with the 4-3-3 because we have been 
successful with that. But, but I wouldn't be surprised. That's a good squad you've selected there. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with that. I'm just worried about going forward if we will have anything. And maybe Lampard sets up for the draw. I don't know. I just don't think he's that type of manager. Yeah, I don't think Lampard sets up for the draw, but I do think Mourinho does. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It, and, it, and it's not a hit against him. It's just the no. way he thinks in these big games is right. I'd rather nick a point away from home than then lose, lose all three. Yeah, lose all three exactly. And we we've seen that as Chelsea fans over the years under Mourinho is even when we were on top and going to a Manchester United away who were figuring their way out under Moyes, we played defensive and played to protect that point. So I think you know that that's what Mourinho is going to try and do, and he may even try to nick it one nothing or two one. But he, all I haven't seen any mind games from him so far. Now they play in the Europa League, so that those mind games might start after that with the fact that they don't have enough time to prepare for the next game and and all that. But what I think Lampard did was pretty smart. Even before our Champions League game, he said he sympathizes with Mourinho and Spurs not having time to prepare for the next game. So he's almost taken that card away from Mourinho. Right. And, yeah, and and you know, just sticking on the formation for a minute, everything you said is completely valid. M- my hope is that he starts with the existing formation of a four-three-three because we are more attacking, almost confusing Spurs because they would expect Lampard to go defensive or hope Lampard would go defensive, confuse them, change the game plan, try and get one goal up, two goals up, and then maybe switch to the three in the back to go defensive at that point, almost reversing Mourinho's tactics on him. Like, hey, we're going to start trying to win this game really hard and fast. And when you guys are ready to come out, we're going to switch defensive and, and protect what we already have. But it's such a difficult game. Lampard is one of the smartest managers I've seen. I know he tinkers with his squad, but he's just generally very, very intelligent in some of the things. It's it's going to be a beautiful tactical game to watch for sure. Yeah, yeah. and. I think we will control the game and that we'll have a lot of the ball. And so we'll have to be patient with it because Spurs will be very defensively organized. They'll right. stop us from playing the way we want to. And so we'll just have to be patient, like I said, to know that we'll get our chances. And at that point, we have to take those chances. Right. So we've got to be clinical as well because right. that's something we talked about a little bit with the Newcastle game in the first half where... I think we had 80, 85% of the ball for 45 minutes. We have to make that initial possession count because Tottenham Hotspur on the counter is ridiculous. So if we can make the possession count, if we can put the ball in the net, get one, two up, and Frank needs to change at that point in time. Again, I'm not a manager. I haven't gone to school to learn some of this stuff. Just an excited fan watching. I'm hoping trying to get that goal up or two goals up and then switch on him is something different that he's not used to. Yeah, no, that, that sounds good. Um, on the other side, just some team news is what I've heard is Toby Alderweireld is out of this game. But with Mourinho, I can't be a hundred percent sure. So He'll play one of his midfielders and center back and they'll have an amazing game, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So if he is out, I still think they have a strong lineup. I think he'll go Larice in goal, Serge Aurier right back. Um, he's been playing Toby Alderweireld, but he's injured. So I think maybe Joe Rodon comes in for him. Eric Dyer keeps his spot. 
Sergio Reguillon, great option at left back. And then he plays Musa Sissoko and, and Hoiberg in midfield with Dembele in there as well. And then I think he plays Harry Kane, obviously, Son, and Lucas Mora. It's definitely a very strong squad. Yeah. What about the Chelsea squad? We've talked a little bit about it. Um, do you think they can keep up with what he plays, depending on how he plays his team? I think so. Like I said, we'll have the ball. We'll have opportunities to build up from our half. And so it's really when we get into their half, how quickly we move it, how patient we are. Um, and then when we lose the ball, how quickly we recover and, and stop the likes of Harry Kane and Son. And, and Son, right. Yeah. So it it's an exciting game, but also nervous because you know if Spurs win, he's just going to be all over and, and <laughs> putting up three fingers again, even though there'll be no fans. Um, <laughs> That's typical Jose Mourinho. And I expect nothing less from him, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, so, I mean, talking about a lot of this, what do you think the game is going to end up as? What's your prediction for the game? Yeah, I was. <laughs> that was where I was going with this. So, I, uh, you know, I'll never back us to drop points. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 win for us. Okay. So you're you're comfortable that we may get two goals and unfortunately concede one here or there because of the sheer tenacity of Spurs attacking lineup. Yeah, I, that's that's exactly what I think. Yeah, it's a tough game. I think we're going to nick it one nil, but that's because I'm positive. <laughs> but I think we're going <laughs> to nick it one nil. <laughs> uh, I I think having Kane and Son not score a goal or, is is a is a big call. But hey, if it happens, then you should put some money on it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Fingers crossed. That's what I want to start off with. Yeah. Any goal scoring predicts? Well, the one goal, I guess, for you. <laughs> Do you know, it's interesting because you've hinted that I, I'm negative about this particular player, but I think Tammy Abraham could have <laughs> a big say in this game. No, honestly, because him being a center forward playing or leading the line right in the middle, you know, their first choice center back out or potentially out I'm hoping he makes a connection to a wonderful cross from one of Zayic or Timo Werner. And that's all we need. A one nail win. In fact, Lampard doing a Mourinho on Mourinho, which is taking that one nail and taking the points and just controlling the game, managing the game. We shall see. <laughs> we shall see. And we'll I'm just be hopeful. texting through it still. Yep, for sure. Any, I guess, any other games you want to do a prediction on? Let's just touch on, I guess, Leeds, Everton Leeds real quick. Yeah, I'm thinking Everton's going to win 2-0. Um, Leeds have been decent, but Everton seem to be coming back into form. Dominic Cavan Lewitt, Lewin, I'm sorry if I pronounced his name wrong, is in good form. I think they're going to win 2-0. Okay. And Yourself? Then, uh, I think a 2-2. Okay. So definitely a competitive game there. Yep. And then how about West Brom Sheffield? One nailed to Sheffield United. Wow. I think West Brom win it with our old boy, Ivanovic, getting on the goals. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that That's not a blast from the past. That's just... <laughs> yep. Um, okay. The next game, Southampton, Man United. Oh, this is a tough game. 
I'm going to go 1-1. That's a good shot. I think 3-1 United. Okay. And Arsenal Wolves? 2-0 to Wolves. Oh, wow. I'm just not seeing a lot of productivity from Arsenal. I'm, I might be wrong, and I'm okay if I'm wrong, but just it's what I'm feeling. I, I think 2-1 Arsenal. Okay. Rahul Jimenez plays for my fantasy team, so I'm hopeful he gets both the goals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, that rounds up our preview for the weekend. It's an exciting weekend coming up. Uh, I'm looking forward to Sunday's game, but obviously we'll be watching the rest of them and, and talking to you about them. And since it's Thanksgiving here in the United States this week, I wanted to take this opportunity and, and maybe just share a couple of things we're thankful for this year. So why don't you start us off? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I don't have a blast from the past, especially since we covered that in our previous podcast for this week. I'm actually thankful for this podcast. It's been great to start this up with a lifelong friend of mine. It's been brilliant to, to hear listeners tune in and give us feedback. So I'm very thankful for this podcast. Hold Sorry on. to get mushy on your hall. I gotta wipe my tears. <laughs> no, that <I'm laughs> definitely thankful for that, and I'm also thankful for Frank Lampard, yep, Petr Cech, and Marina Graniskova. Oh, you did pretty good on her name right there. Yes, they've they've done some good work over the summer, and we're reaping the benefits off it right now. Um, and non-football related, I'm just thankful for good health and in in this crazy year seeing. Yeah, with everything that's going on, just good health and, and family and friends and your family and yourself. Everyone's safe and, and hoping this year finishes off pretty well and we move into 2021 and can get back to some kind of normal life. Yeah, that's definitely wonderful and I hope we all we all want. All right, my friend, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We've now done six and I'm... I'm Excited. It's only been about three weeks, though. Looking forward to doing more. Yep. We look forward to hearing some feedback from anybody listening out there. This has been an exciting opportunity and adventure that we've been going on. And a happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving to all our listeners in the United States as well. Thank you all. Yes. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. And follow us, if you don't already, at the Premier Chelsea. And send us your feedback, leave us a review and subscribe and all that stuff. And we'll be back another with another podcast next week. Take care, guys.